John 15, 1 to 17. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. Hi friends, it's Adrian here and it is an unbelievable privilege to be with you live from South Street. How fantastic is that? And um, in a moment, we're going to get to look at this scripture, this bit of Bible that Charlie's just read out. Um, As my hope is, as always, something of what I share here now, live in this moment, brings some encouragement to you in the moment, whether it's now here live as we're gathered, or maybe it's on demand when you gather in a different moment, that it brings encouragement to each and every one of us. Uh, But before we do that, I just wanted to reflect on last weekend, as last weekend was a big one. Uh, If you were a regular around Oasis, you'll know that last Sunday we celebrated our 21st birthday. And it was just phenomenal just to hear the different stories of different people within Oasis sharing something of what Oasis means to them. And if you didn't get to catch them, like go on demand and and listen to them because they will do your heart good. But it was also great to have Simon Holly with us. And as uh, Sarah's just I picked up on in terms of that ministry time of seeking to apply a bit more of what he is bringing. He, he was fantastic, wasn't he? He just did us so much good. And my prayer is that as we carry on in this season, that joy continues to shape and mark us as a family and as a church. But along with the celebrations of Oasis turning 21. It was actually a big weekend in the Hearst household, my family's household, as we got to drop our eldest daughter off at university, which was a big one. Um, And I just want to say a massive thank you uh, to loads of people within Oasis who've just showed us so much kindness, love and support through this this big transition. And we got to join you last Sunday morning in Durham uh, as we kind of pulled around the laptop marvelling at what God's doing on our 21st birthday, but also with this sense of sadness as we were about to drop Emily off at university. And to be honest, the reality is it is a big change. And with a big change, it causes us to be living with 
an adjustment. Adjustment that, to be honest, as a family, we're still adjusting to. But that micro-adjustment of our family, I think, speaks of a macro, a bigger adjustment that I think all of us are facing at the moment. See, this season that we're living in, uh, the uncertainty that we're living with because of this pandemic of, like, when are things going to change? Like, cause us to live continuously, like, seeking to adjust. And it's this new series that we're starting today that's called Recalibrate that I believe God wants to use to speak in to this season. See, I felt God really speak to me at the beginning of lockdown, actually, that God was going to use this moment to highlight some things to us. And that in it, in the things that he highlighted to us, I, it was going to be a moment to cause each of us to evaluate our lives and, and seek to go through a season of recalibration. You see, recalibrate is a word that is all about like getting a machine or instruments to um, kind of be adjusted in order that they perform in the best way that they can. And I believe God is wanting you to do that in us at this moment. That in Romans 12, it talks about like an act of worship is the renewing of minds. And I believe that God is wanting to do that in us at this moment of causing us to see small changes that actually cause us to live more in the wonder of the life that Jesus affords us. See, as I said, at the, at the beginning of lockdown, I just felt God say that in the pause to note some of the things that he reveals through the changes of our circumstances. As actually some of the things that we were living through were actually things that God wanted to put his spotlight on and say, actually, I want to invite you to live more in this in order that you'd enjoy more of the life that I have for you. See, this isn't a, a, a kind of moment to feel condemned of, oh, I should have been doing this better. No, no, this is an invitation to make small adjustments that recalibrate our life in order that we'd live more in the wonder of what Jesus has afforded us. And so over the coming weeks, we're going to look at seven different areas that I believe God has spoken to me about for us that are about us recalibrating our life. And those areas are abiding, slowing down, silence and solitude, simplicity, justice, connection, and our neighbours. And what we're discovering week on week is actually that lockdown and all we've been through has kind of highlighted different ones of these things. And as it's highlighted it, I think it's causing us to say, actually, God, would you cause me to live slightly differently in order that I enjoy more of the life that you have for me. See, for me, one of the small changes I've made has been through the walks that I go on. You see, I get to walk my dogs twice a day. I often now seek to walk rather than take the car because I've realized it just does me good for numbers of different reasons. But one of the things I've done in my walks is to not take my headphones you see, whenever I went for walks before, I always took my headphones and uh, would listen to a podcast. And you see, my family would vouch for this, that as soon as I put my earphones in, I may look like I'm present, but I'm definitely somewhere else. You can be talking to me, and I may nod, but I would have not heard anything that you have said. And for me, as I've unplugged, I've learned to embrace the silence as I walk, it's caused me to be more present, 
caused me to be more present of seeing what's going on around me, of seeing what God wants to reveal to me, and most importantly, being able to hear God more. And so my invitation is over this coming number of weeks that you join me in a season of recalibrating. But to start off with today, I want to look at abiding. That's going to be the first area we're going to look at, abiding. Now, abiding is like an old-fashioned word, isn't it? It's not something that we tend, a word we tend to use, but abiding I've come to love because abiding is always, it's all about continuing. It's all about remaining. It's all about dwelling. And Everything that we just heard read from Charlie so excellently from John 15 is all about abiding. It's like abiding revealed. You see, what Jesus does in these verses is reveal like the wonder of how we are to live with him. Like what it, how it transforms our life, of what abiding looks like. As Jesus reveals that anyone who centers their life on him, on his life, death, and resurrection, uh, those now that are like crafted into him, are abiding deeply into him, like a vine to branches. That's the intimate image he gives. He says that actually there's this way that we're to live in abiding in him that causes us to be totally dependent on him, like a branches to the vine. I believe that something that's been exposed through this season is our dependency on Jesus, that as other things have been removed, it kind of causes us to evaluate, what, evaluate like, what is it I'm depending on? And Jesus reveals through the vine and the branches, like he is the only one to, bend, to depend on. He's the only one to be abiding in. But the beauty of this invitation of abiding in Jesus isn't one that's like some past tense. Isn't that we just simply have been one who's abode. Abiding is this invitation to daily seek to live in the good of the life that Jesus affords us. To live daily, remaining, continuing, dwelling, depending on Jesus. So how do we do that? Well, I want to look just briefly at John 15 as within these verses, Jesus reveals that there's these three outworkings of abiding, that it's abiding in, abiding with, and then abiding brings. So firstly then, abiding in. You see, you know that I have a home. If you've been watching on demand, you've been watching live, you'll know that I've often spoken from my lounge. You remember that nice, comfy, velvety-looking blue chair that I often sit on. I know it's got many comments. And um, my guess is the chat's going wild at the moment of the comments of where I'm sat at the moment, as I know people like to comment on that. That's a good thing. It shows that we're all interacting. But if you knew that I have that home, and I do, it's 47 Charrington Road. And, but when you met me, you met me at the park at the top of my road, and you found out that I just seemed to live there. I was spending all my day there. I'd like kip on a bench at night. You kind of question like, what is going on? Like, you know that I've got a home, a house that I could live in. So why am I sat in the park? Why am I not enjoying the comfort, the safety, the security, the value of the people that I live with there? 
Like it'd be a question, why? But how often do we find ourselves living in and being defined by like our past, our failures, our achievements, our relationships, our work? And these things that can seem firm and yet actually don't always stand firm. It can cause us to live from a place that doesn't give us the comfort, security and safety that ultimately we need. See, Jesus says, no, no, the place to be abiding in, the place to dwell from, the place to be defined by is him. We're to be those who are abiding in Jesus. See, Jesus says this profound thing in John 15, verse 9, where he says, like, to abide in him, to live in him, is to live knowing we are loved as the Father loves the Son. Let me say that again, because I don't think we quite get that. Like, we are to live knowing that we are loved as the Father loves the Son. Like, wow, that just blows my brain. My puny human brain is in overload at the moment. The Father who has eternally, unwaveringly, unendingly loved the Son, unceasingly loved him. That's how you and I are loved. That living in Jesus causes us to live with that reality. We're those that are continuously, unendingly, unwaveringly loved. Like, man, when you live from that place, you don't have anything to prove, do you? Yet you're more loved than you could ever believe. But do we? Are we those who are abiding in Jesus daily, living from that place of knowing the unceasing, unending, unwavering love. Like for me, I, it means that I have to daily, from the moment I wake, choose to say, Jesus, I seek to be abiding in you. And throughout my day, I, I take moments out of just saying, I am abiding in your love. And your love means I'm loved like the Father has always loved you. And I go through what that means because it transforms who I am because I then get to live in my day just thinking I have nothing to prove. But it isn't just abiding in, it's also abiding with. See, we get to live lives with Jesus that are shaped by Jesus, that we get to daily say, Jesus, I'm not going to sit on the throne of my life. I give that position to you. You be the king of my life. You be the rule and reign over my life. And Jesus says in John 15, like what that looks like is that we say, we obey you. We don't like that word, do we? Obey? Like that feels oppressive. That's the exact opposite of what Jesus is talking about. See, Jesus isn't looking to constrain us. He's looking to liberate us. Therefore, to obey him is to know liberation. So what does it mean to obey? What does it mean to obey what he says? Well, he paints the picture through John 15. It says, well, what that obedience looks like is love. 
Like, just as you have been loved, now you get to live a life that is shaped and, sh- and fashioned by love. Like, you find in different accounts in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that Jesus is pushed and said, yeah, yeah, okay, but what is the greatest command then? How do we live this life? And Jesus says this. He just goes, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Like, what does it mean to live with obedience, to live with love, to be abiding in Jesus? Well, it means to love God and to love people. Man, why do we make it so complicated when it's just that simple? Abiding in Jesus is an invitation daily to say, God, I want to love you more as you have loved me. God, I want to love others more as you've loved me. It means as we love God, we're those who say, today I seek to honour you, God, with all that I am. I want your rule and reign of love and goodness to shape more of who I am. I submit more of my life to you. It means in loving people, we get the adventure of saying each day, God, how can I reveal more of your love to those that I come into contact with? Knowing how much of your love I have known, I now get to show So it's abiding in, it's abiding with, and then finally, it's abiding brings. See, as you abide in Jesus, as you abide with Jesus, abiding brings joy. Like Jesus says it in John 15, 11, that he's come in order that we would know joy. And that joy, he says, is to fill us. Man, that is good. Like a joy to fill us. But then he says something quite surprising. He says, oh, no, no, it isn't just to fill you. It is to overflow from you. Like how good is that? Like Jesus longs to fill you and I with joy that not only fills us and shapes our lives, but actually spills out from us, overflows from us onto others that we come into contact with. Like, but here's the mind-blowing moment. That joy isn't simply in Jesus. Like, that's good, isn't it? Like, when you see how good and amazing Jesus is, it brings joy. Now, in John 15, Jesus says, no, the joy that he longs to fill us with that will then overflow from us is his joy. It's not a joy in him. It's the joy of him. Like, how good is that? Like, what does that joy look like then? Well, I'd say it's a joy that brings the light. Like you see it in the Trinity that there's a delight within the Father, Son, and Spirit. You see it when it breaks out in different moments of Jesus' time on earth. One of the most notable is at his baptism where you find the Spirit comes like a dove on Jesus. At that moment, the Father announces his delight over his Son. And it's like this picture of what has been going on in the whole of eternity, of this joy of the Father, Son, and Spirit delighting in one another. And we now get to partake in that. Not as onlookers, but those who get to inwardly experience it. The joy of Jesus that brings that delight. It's a delight in in creation. Like God is one who spoke and said, as he looked at the whole of creation, it is very good. 
that we get to be those that have that joy of God, of Jesus in us, that as we look at the creation around us, is seeing it as good and announcing it. But it's also joy of delight in people. People loved gathering around Jesus. Why? Because he had such joy in them. And they just knew it. When they were around him, his joy, his delight in them just spilled out over them. And they just left, changed. Like, how about you and me? Like, do we know that same delight and joy in others? That as we come to encounter them, we realize, oh, man, this is a moment where I get to spill over them. The joy that God knows, his delight in them, I now get to express to them. Man, I love saying, and I know people know I say this a lot, I say very good a lot, don't I? Like, you remember when we used to gather in a room, some distant history moment in the past, we'd be in a room together, and you'd hear someone say something, and at the end, you'd hear this little voice pipe up, very good. It was me. Why? Because I was delighting in them. I was enjoying them. I love announcing very good. Why? Because it captures the heart of God for that individual. Like, he so delights in them. What a privilege we get to share. But joy isn't only bringing delight. Joy also brings perseverance. See, this joy of Jesus does that. Hebrews 12 points us to this fact that Jesus, when he endures the cross, knew joy. Did it for the joy set before him. Here's the reality. Hardships happen. Boy, do we know that. Yet within the hardship, Jesus promises us that we can taste and experience his joy. Joy doesn't mean that it's going to be laughter. Joy means that it's going to bring a richness, a resource within us, within the pain. And I'll tell you something, over the last few years, I have known lots of moments of suffering. And I'm learning at the moment to taste more and more of the joy that Jesus has for me to enjoy of him in those moments. And it allows me to keep going. But this joy that Jesus wants to bring as we're abiding in him and with him, the joy of Jesus isn't something that we've got to whip up. It isn't something we've got to kind of get up, look in the mirror and say, joy, joy, joy. It isn't that. It's rather something that we say we receive. That the Holy Spirit is longing to cause you and I to receive afresh daily of the joy of Jesus. Therefore, that's the first week. Recalibrate. And I invite you to join me in recalibrating in respect to how we're abiding. Abiding in Jesus and abiding with Jesus. And as we're abiding in and with Jesus, allowing that abiding that brings us the joy of Jesus. And I encourage you that maybe you've, you're here joining us today and you say, well, I've never sought to abide in Jesus. I didn't know that was on offer. Well, for you maybe it is that you need to ask some more questions. Like, let, make yourself known on the chat room. You can message us privately. Just privately message the panelists and we'd love to pick up some conversations with you. 
But maybe for many of us, we're followers of Jesus. We've centered our life on Jesus. And this coming week in our small groups, in other gatherings, we just come, we start to say, like, how are we doing in abiding in and with Jesus?